Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. This episode marks the end of an era. With our recent departure from the partners at CrossFit, we take this episode to reflect on good times. Although it's no secret that the relationship was a tumultuous one on occasion, it still enabled us to connect with the athletes and coaches worldwide. If this news is coming as a shock to you, you may want to tune in to hear about the Instagram post which ruffled more than a few lats down at CrossFit headquarters. What happens when one of your side hustles stops hustling and you're just left with your other side hustles and a few primary hustles? I was lucky enough to join in on the conversation this week and endure a solid 10 minutes of hustle banter. So here it is, episode 231. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? You got Luke and Tex and John sitting around uh, the Talk To Me Johnny on the long road table. It's been a while since we got that. It's going to be great when we get that back up and running. I can't wait. We're busting ass on a daily trying to get this thing finished up. Fuck you more so than Tex and I these days. (laughs) But we had a stretch. We had a stretch. No, we did. We, yeah, no, I, yeah, I put up a lot of wood today, so it'll it'll look good, though. Sounds like my weekends in college. Am I right, people? Uh, What, nailing wood up? (laughs) Let me rethink that one and get back to (laughs) (laughs) it. It depends on what your definition of wood is. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Conditioning. Enthusiastic group today. A little later in the day, uh, a couple public service announcements, right? First and foremost, people, the Power Athlete Symposium, December 8th, 9th, and 10th, the premier... Um, symposium and strength conditioning that's correct Uh, i think we could just continue to use that over and over with everything we do for example field strong the premier Premier sports performance program in strength and conditioning yeah it's it's uh we got a lot of things to work on here people flesh it out but here's what you need to know don't fucking hit that forward 30 seconds button okay first and foremost thanks to PowerDot and Sorenex, they're really, they're our title sponsors. They're the ones who have really helping us contribute or contribute to this event and uh, really create what not is just a strength and conditioning event for the ages, but also a fundraising event unlike any other, in my personal opinion, right? Because it's really a fundraising vehicle for Wade's Army. Right. You know? So we're putting on the symposium, as you guys might or might not know, out here in Austin, Texas in December. And with all the proceeds and uh, everything from the ticket sales, uh, you know, vendors and uh, sponsorship and also from our silent auction uh, are going to benefit our 501c3 charity, Wade's Army. As you guys don't know, or maybe you do, uh, right now we are in what we like to call our Wade's Army stretch month where, you know, we're building up to Wade's Day um, in uh, coming up here in November. So if you haven't bought a ticket, if you haven't donated, jump on the website, wadesarmy.org, and uh, join the fight and join the Army. And then if you have not bought your ticket for the Power Athlete Symposium, you are in luck. We have more tickets available. We did sell out, but then we went and opened up and brought even more tickets in so we can get even more people Mm -hmm. to this Mm -hmm. party. So go online, buy the ticket, come on, join the party, and have a lot of fun. We're going to have an amazing set of speakers, and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting for the first year here in Austin, Texas. Listen, people, do these names mean anything to you? Mike Wasselisson, all right? He's the guy behind Move You. Derek Woodski, he's been on the podcast, amazing speaker. Uh, Lindsey Matthews, birth fit, ever heard. Rob Ruiz, I mean, what do we have to say? He needs no introduction. Rob Wolf, Ingrid Markham, the Rudy Reyes, Dr. Christy Anderson, who works with Dr. Tom Inkledon, Bert Soren, Andy Stum, Jim Steele. Come on. 
The, name it's one. the premier pod. Or, I'm sorry, it's a premier symposium in December in, in, Austin. in Austin in strength conditioning. I rest my case, people. Powerathletehq.com slash symposium and get to wadesarmy.org and fuck, follow it all on social media as well. Yeah, right. And then the final, final. Listen, don't fast forward this because this is a this is a huge transition into the purpose and theme of this show. The final announcement: there are only two CrossFit football seminars. Oh, CrossFit uh, sports specific application, aka CrossFit football. But yeah, realistically, what's the difference? The name. But there are only two left in the world, and they are booked, and they are in November. And it's there, there's one only, in Portland, Oregon, and the other one in Tennessee, in Cooksville, at uh, Rich Froning's Gym, CrossFit Mayhem. So, as you guys probably haven't heard, uh, since we're announcing it right now, um, the ending of an era, the ending of the CrossFit Football uh, SSA seminar, um, which we started in 2009 and have taught globally for almost the last decade, eight and a half years. Uh, you know, f- from everywhere. So uh, we've taught these. Uh, you know, really taking an opportunity to show the CrossFit community how to skin a CrossFit vernacular, kind of a CrossFit-based functional fitness program for sport-specific athletes by prioritizing certain things like power, speed, and strength. And uh, we've taught this seminar globally. Many of you guys listening probably have been to the seminar or wanted to. So if you haven't and you want to enjoy the uh, you know one of the last opportunities that we're ever going to give this, um, you know, Portland, Oregon, and... CrossFit Mayhem in Cooksville, Tennessee will be, the, or and mm-hmm. that will be the final Power, CrossFit yeah. football seminar. So the, the dates and registration, powerathletehq.com slash events, or if you go to training.crossfit.com, that shit's in there too, under the sports-specific application seminar. But I think, because <clears throat> it's interesting how this thing's going to finish, John, and I think that uh, you should talk about the f- how it first started. Yeah, yeah, I got The questions. very first seminar, and I'm talking... I'm talking the days when you had your highlight tapes there and people the would watch cut-ups and you'd project in like uh, plays and then fucking well, just have people like doing bulls really, and steers here, with here's, people. Here's the problem. Uh, when, when I originally got approached about doing CrossFit football, um, you know, they said, hey, you need a program. So I came up with a program. You need a website. So I got a website. I put the programming on the website. We launched. And then after we'd been up for about three weeks, he told me I needed a seminar to support all this. And, um, you know, having really never uh, done any type of, you know, seminars and really any kind of formal, you know, strength conditioning, you know, interactive type deal. Um, I didn't really know what to teach. Uh, So I consulted with some people, some good friends at the time, and uh, told them what I wanted to do and see if if they wanted to get in on it, like Raphael and, um, you know, Kelly Starrett and Andy Stumpf and a few guys. And uh, I put together a seminar just on the fly. Hey, this is what I want to teach. This is what I'm going to teach. This is what I need you to teach. Um, Go and, you know, you don't need me to micromanage you. Just go and be great. And uh, that first seminar we had, which was in Costa Mesa, um, was a freebie. And we invited, you know, a bunch of people that would give us honest feedback. Um, Those 50 people were great. We had an incredible time. Uh, Came people in. We taught them the lifts. Uh, We talked about sprinting, change of direction. And uh, really the foundation of what we did, uh, Kelly Starrett came in and did a pretty extensive warm-up on day one, only to be outdone by Raphael on day two, because you <laughs> know what? Nobody puts baby in the corner when it comes to Ruiz, <laughs> and uh, there wasn't an opportunity ever that Ruiz would get upstaged by anybody. So he saw what Kelly did, and he times it by three. Um, 
it was good. Uh, Rob came in and taught a bunch of really good sprint stuff. Uh, talked to you know you know a lot of the foundational type things that we teach, uh, which super juxtaposed to what the post guys uh, were teaching at the time. Hence the reason that Brian McKenzie had a fucking epic meltdown and proceeded to you know storm off in a big huff. And I always remember him for that. And uh, it was good, man. We uh, it was a great seminar. And then we got opportunity to go teach a second one, the first one for pay, which was actually in Cooksville, Tennessee. And uh, CrossFit HQ and Greg Glassman showed up, and it was fucking awful. I tanked, and uh, not even before my opening talk did they get up and leave, and we've never seen them again. So it's the only time they ever came to our seminar. The I think. leadership. Yeah, the, 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 you know. Well, actually, I saw Dave. The head Martians. So uh, Dave actually did drop into a San Diego seminar. Yeah, that was in was Del, yeah, that was in Del Mar, and I showed up to that one. Yeah. Remember well, that? Uh, even but there was one that you didn't show up to, did not. Mm. It was the one before that, and... Uh, he just hung out for like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and honestly, he wasn't, he just kind of listened in and then fucking fucked off, and it was just like, hey, nice to see you, yeah. and nothing big, no big deal, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I got up, and I gave my opening talk, and it really wasn't formulated the way it is now, um, the, uh, what is CrossFit football? I was really trying to figure out how I'd keep this marriage between uh, what I knew in terms of GPP training and what I saw in terms of like sports specific training and trying to bridge this gap. And I came up with the idea of what I called a general training and specific training. And then somewhere in the middle was called general specific training, which was, I love it. you know, <laughs> I know Texas heard this talk. And that was kind of where I took the idea of taking general movements and putting them in specific time domains. Mm -hmm. And it was how I was able to explain where CrossFit fit into sports-specific training because we were going to use general movements, mm -hmm. things done within the gym, in specific time domains to necessarily to, to build a uh, capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and and then was, that, that, that and evolved to planes of motion. Well, it, yeah. it, it did, but I mean, I got up and it was one of those things that I had been thinking about, but you know, I got to think about things for a while. So I got up to give this talk. It was fucking awful. It totally tanked. I didn't know where I was going with it. I just really didn't have enough experience really doing it. And uh, Glassman and them got up, not even at the end of it, just like mid-deal, and we're like, looked at each other, laughed, and then they all jumped in their black SUVs and drove away. So I got a question about your, your thought process, right? Traditional strength conditioning, it's identify holes, and in your experience with Todd Rice and RAF, right, holes in you as an athlete, holes in programs or demands for sports. So what was the looking glass or the filter that you applied to CrossFit to develop CrossFit football? Um, what I kind of thought at the time was that if I could chase this idea of glycolytic capacity, I could build a bigger engine or just basically a bigger tank, you could say. Uh, Dick Vermeil always talked about this idea of, uh, you know, going out to practice and putting in the hours and doing all this is like building your capacity to be able to do more work. And he, um, you know, for years, you know, and, and the way he kind of described it, he didn't necessarily use the term work capacity, but always talked to like, not like, hey, you're pulling you know, gas out of the tank. He always talked about like you're building a bigger tank. And I kind of, like that, you know, people talk about building an engine. I thought, man, if we could chase glycolytic capacity a little bit, and it's kind of one of those variables when you look back and say, all right, in terms of energy domains, um, I kind of had discounted the idea of building an aerobic capacity, which, as I think about now, was a mistake. Um, I had this idea of chasing glycolytic capacity because I'd always chased, you know, ATP, alactic type stuff. And I had this idea of like, hey, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase this kind of glycolytic capacity and see what that does. And if I can build a bigger engine in that, in that piece, then I can starve off or stave off, uh, you know, 
lactic acid kind of threshold type movements, then maybe I can build a bigger engine and a bigger tank on the field. And uh, that was my thought process. And then I realized that, that you really have to develop everything. It's almost a uh, you know, concurrent kind of training model and that you really can't periodize uh, certain things. Um, you know, as much, but, uh, it was well, at least just, not practically like yeah. in theory you can, sure. right? But it, you know, in for most people, like, uh, you got to develop things in like, uh, I guess in, in chorus. So I, I just thought that if we could push the bounds of this, um, and I had the great opportunity to, to, to run the experiment and, uh, you know, put out, put out programming and really push this kind of glycolytic, you know, strength heavy deal and uh, see where it took us. And, um, you know, as I always, you know, you guys have heard me joke over the years that I was able to, you know, give free programming to, you know, tens of thousands of people around the globe and then go visit them. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were certain truths after a while, like we were talking about earlier today, you know, if you send out surveys or you start talking to people that are all doing something, there's, you start seeing veins of truth, you start seeing these mm -hmm. commonalities. And uh, one of the commonalities that was really true was that, um, you know, linear progression worked very well for beginners. Um, you know, having to throw some periodization uh, towards, you know, once you become a trained athlete, the idea of rep maxes, uh, which was way more beneficial than doing singles. Um, compensatory acceleration, you know, being able to, you know, move the bar as fast as you can. Um, you know, uh, people that learn to run and sprint and jump and throw and carry and do all these things are better than people that can't. Um, the problem becomes, though, when you become just a master to the idea of constantly chasing glycolytic capacity, you kind of reach a plateauing effect in terms of developing your athleticism. And we saw that happen, uh, where all of a sudden we saw a tapering, and that really took me in a different direction with Power Athlete and the idea of fostering developing athleticism and writing performance-based programs that just don't adhere to the taskmaster of, of work capacity and glycolytic suffering. And I, you know, we go back to the deal where um, any idiot can make somebody tired, but can you make somebody better? Can you get them to run faster and perform higher? And a lot of times uh, people are confused with the two. I mean, we oh, get emails all the time, yeah. like they have this idea that, you know, to, to get better, I have to burn myself down. Well, just day. that guy we were talking about today, right? Yeah. Hey, like, uh, you know, I got to build, you know, and I'm more interested in, you know, making sure I have a, you know, big aerobic base is what he told me. And I'm like, well, you know, uh, basically just doing, you know, high motor metabolic conditioning isn't necessarily contributing to building an aerobic base. Do you want to do build an aerobic base? And he's like, he, he basically he doesn't know what the fuck he wants. He just wants to do a program where he gets torched at the end so he feels like he can get the seal of approval, the stamp that, you know, this was a hard workout. You know, when you ever ask people like, oh, how was the training? People are like, oh, it fucking killed me. Like people want to say that. And um, I think after, after seeing people chase that, um, after a while, it didn't see a performance gain out of it. And we actually saw a negative training effect. Yeah, negative training effect, possible injury, a yep. lot of an almost psychological burnout. Yep. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about athletes, you got to keep them engaged and progressing and developing, essentially. So, yeah. No, I mean it, it's uh, it, it was good. It really helped to to mold my thinking and that you know, and then actually take a step back and see, hey, this vein, this kind of this direction that I went. Uh, I chased this as far as I could, and I need to take a step back and re, you know, and reevaluate and reunderstand my training. And there's a place for conditioning and everything. The problem is, is in terms of uh, power-based sports, where performance is is king, and so your ability to perform at a high level is king. Um, you're going to have to, you know, pull back a little bit and say, hey, you know what? I mean, chasing glycolytic capacity is going to have to take a backseat to skill development mm -hmm. and becoming a master of your craft 
And I think when you're like early on in the career, like you can you can succeed in spite of some of these mistakes you make in training, right? But then as you get down your life cycle as an athlete and become even a higher performer, it starts to become some of these mistakes, let's just say, chasing work capacity, doing these things that are like mental toughness, toughness type training, SEAL training. Guys can, can excel in spite of that. But you hit a point where all of a sudden it becomes diminishing returns, right? And then you start wondering, uh, why the fuck, you know, I can't survive and it you anymore. you got to do more. Yeah. And, Which but, you dig yourself and you deeper. Dig, right. You know? So, John, I, I think I, so I want to go back because I want to kind of ping pong real quick. So what was the, the, the first seminar, let's say paid seminar, even second, like early seminars, what was the what was the outline and like objective? Like, did, and I know you, that was like all kind of a growth thing and you're trying to it was a soul searching thing. Well, my thing was I was trying to show people uh, how to use what they'd learned in CrossFit and how to translate it into an actual strength conditioning template. The idea of like putting a periodized strength template in and using uh, varying degrees of intensity mm-hmm. and time domains and with like movements with relatively some mixed modal stuff. and relatively like mm-hmm. in the realm of traditional CrossFit at the time, a narrowed movement selection. Yeah, so right? not so super narrow, but like, hey, let's stick to these ones because the highest payoff. If I recall, the pyramid it, and there was almost one barbell or one strength movement to help express the demands that you put in your original pyramid. Yeah, there was, um, it was pretty, well, like I, I remember looking at just a classic CrossFit, wor- f- uh, CrossFit workout of like 21, 59 barbell thrusters and, and pull-ups, right? And I looked at it and was like, okay, it's 45 reps. Why don't we do... And 95 pounds. At, at 95 pounds, why don't we end up doing like 15 sets of three at like 225 and weighted pull-ups? And so I'm just going to do uh, high motor, or I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to basically in, increase the amount of sets and I'm just going to drop the rep count and I'm going to chant and I'm going to move between two or three different movements so that I'm basically building rest in each thing. And my idea was to, you know, like kind of simulate the idea of like a football play. So like, Hey, like three bar with barbell thrusters at, at 225 and then three pull-ups and then you drop off and you kind of get back in that. So, um, at the time people had been really focusing on one movement for a higher rep count. And I just kind of Increase the sets, drop yeah, the reps. Flipped and, it up, so literally, yeah, like, flipped yeah, it. And, and then changed it up because, man, I wasn't impressed by people barbell thrustering 95 pounds. I want to see bar- people barbell thruster fucking 405. And then I guess where I want to kind of bring that down now is, okay, so you've arguably done hundreds of these, right? So, and uh, since, so since I've come on and started tracking... And, you know, my one of my various fucking uh, master spreadsheets, which, like, how many master spreadsheets can you have? A lot, people. But uh, over 3,500 attendees and 183 events, of which... Including 2017? Uh, yes. Of which I was a part of 117. So I've done 117 seminars. No big deal, Tex. Well, you didn't even let me count mine. Well, fucking, how do you not have this? So What's your state of readiness? Wait a minute. We've only taught 187 of these things? Since I started counting, but that was only once I became an active coach and, like, got handed over, like, okay, hey, fucking book these things. Yeah, yeah. So there's before that a whole other hundred or so, like, probably more than that. Yeah, because, yeah, 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 that sounds about right, because we would have had all of 2009, 2010, 2011 is when you do it. Yeah, and I I started coaching in 2012. So So this seminar master... Only uh, only comes in in like January February or February 2012. Wow. So there's still the whole thing before that. All right. What was that? 
Oh, did you hear me slurp? Oh, Kelly hacked her <laughs> way oh into this podcast. Oh my gosh. They'll let anybody <laughs> in this place. <laughs> Everybody, do you hear that? This is Kelly Hindelman. Uh, she's just married a skunk, literally. Things are getting pretty <laughs> serious. Um, Kelly, what's up? How you doing? That's legal in Seattle, so, so Kelly, just not to, literally. <laughs> just to catch you up, uh, we're having a little discussion on like the origin origin event and then as you know the the now john where i want to pick your brain is i have a feeling you know tex and i and callie have done a um have worked really hard to create like a, a nice to the minute timeline right uh, <laughs> like to align lecture scripts so that we can repeat this thing i i just I don't see you following that for the last event because uh, if I'm oh, I, I think we'll keep it right down. I, I'd like to start <laughs> at nine and end by three. That's not the timeline. So <laughs> I'll be like, uh, we're going to show up an hour late and we're going to end an hour early. But uh, so what do you uh, how do you envision because you're going to be working? Are you going to yeah. be doing both events, John? Or? No, I'm just going to do the one in Tennessee. OK, so in Tennessee, what do you where do you see it going? Uh, I think we'll I think we're going to go old school. Um, we're going to take it back to a, you know, probably Mother the original God. CrossFit football type of deal. Uh, I'm, I'm you are familiar with the like several stages of death, right? And that's what I'm envisioning for this. <laughs> for no, this I, like, <laughs> I have a really interesting talk that I've been working acceptance. on in my head. Uh, it's called uh, the death of CrossFit football. <laughs> and uh, instead of what is CrossFit or what is SSA, what is this? It's called the death of CrossFit football. And um, I'm excited to give it. I want to talk a little bit about the history, about how it started. Um, you know, what the, you know, what, what I learned from it and how it helped me necessarily grow. And then all of a sudden there was a time when it, it wasn't wanted anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it kind of like, it jumped the shark in terms of, uh, well, I actually, I don't think it jumped the shark. I think that it just couldn't go any farther, um, just because of the confusion factor. I think early on, uh, you know, people didn't really realize what it was. They, uh, they thought that it was like. You know, because I, I, dude, I've received hundreds of emails from people being like, oh, I want to start CrossFit badminton. I want to start CrossFit underwater basket weaving. I want to start CrossFit baseball and all this other stuff. And they were asking questions about, you know, how do I approach CrossFit about starting CrossFit, you know, needlepoint. And I remember I love how you threw CrossFit baseball in with all of those like really <laughs> obscure. Well, it's because baseball <laughs> fucking sucks. Uh, and so uh, long story short, um, this really, is why CrossFit football is over. Because <laughs> yeah, baseball blows. No, but, uh, it, you know, and it, it was just a very uh, interesting conversation because I remember telling these people like the training is for athletes. It's just called football because I played football and they were like, oh, well, um, well, I played baseball, so I want to call it, start CrossFit Baseball. I'm like, well, how's the programming going to look di different than my stuff? Oh, we're going to swing heavier bats. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I, I remember being like, dude, it's a strength. It, it, all we're doing here is providing a strength conditioning template for athletes. It just is called football because I played football. And they were like, well, that's a terrible name. And, and I just think it, it just got to the point probably where um, – it was just confusing, and then all of a sudden it wasn't confusing, and then I got into a, uh, you know, CrossFit hit me up and said, hey, you know, uh, have you ever, you know, consulted a name change? And I actually said to him, I'm like, you know, the fact that you guys have a specialty seminar called CrossFit Football that does not teach increased work capacity, broad time, mobile domains, that doesn't teach functional movements performed at high intensity, that's not based off of fitness, it's based off of a performance model, 
I think that's a real problem in terms of segmenting your brand and, uh, you know, for your trademark and, you know, what you're saying CrossFit is doing. I mean, if anything, this is uh, brand erosion and this isn't helping you guys, at which point they uh, didn't respond, which is typical that, you know, oh, my God, he knows. And then they were like, you know, what do you think about a name change? And I said, dude, name change is a great idea uh, for the mere fact that um, uh, if I was you, I would want a name change in a way to distinguish because, dude, this is segmenting my brand. If somebody came to me and said, hey, uh, you know, power athlete is, uh, you know, all these different things and I want to do, you know, power athlete computer programming. And um, we're like, uh, <laughs> I uh, don't think it, we have anyone qualified to run that. Well, no, but, I got but, that I mean, one. That's it's <laughs> it, it's kind of like, you know, Power Athlete is a worldwide strength conditioning organization <laughs> that's dedicated to the idea of unlocking athletic potential and fostering developing athleticism and, um, you know, performance based. Uh, you know, now all of a sudden you're going to ask us to do something that's not performance based. It's going to segment the mission, the, the mission of the uh, like, you know, the mission statement and who we are. It dilutes it. It dilutes it. And so my comment to CrossFit is, is, um, you know, originally when this thing was posed to me, Greg Glassman, uh, you know, said, hey, I got CrossFit in the middle. I need to bookend it. I want to, uh, you know, I want to own power sports. I want to, you know, own power athletes. I want to, you know, if it's big horsepower, short duration, I want you on this side. And then I'm going to, you know, uh, I want CrossFit endurance on the other side. And, uh, you know, we're going to bookend sports. We're going to own fucking everything in the middle. And uh, I remember being like, okay, fuck, man, this is a, this is a big undertaking. And really the market was, um, you know, we, we want to try to find a way to get this into high school sports. Um, you know, and I, I looked at it and thought, shit, that's a pretty good idea. The problem becomes uh, when you have a brand like CrossFit, um, you know, there's constantly under, I guess you could say, you know, trademark uh, infringements, you know, branding this. And, uh, you know, their biggest value is in their, is in the brand and the trademark and, you know, things that like erode that, like CrossFit football definitely are well, a problem. Now, yeah, and then now accreditation, right? And uh, so I got f pretty familiar with that because it was right kind of at my peak of involvement in getting Cali and Tex on board and develop, like there was a lot of shit we had to change. And it was when the Russells came in and they were like going through this uh, uh, accreditation preparement yeah. model where if they, if anything was going to be called CrossFit, it had it to say be. these things, sure. right? And we wouldn't say those things because it wasn't appropriate for the end state of our training, right? So, well, well the other thing is, is um, um, and I well, not just it, appropriate; it was contradictory. Well, it, it was yeah. contradictory, and you, you know, and the thing from day one, uh, like they wanted us to parrot the mothership, and I remember being like, "If I'm teaching your information, then why the fuck do you need me?" I'm, uh, you know, this was tasked. This was my information. This is what I presented. This is how it all fit together. So I, I think the original vision of what we wanted to do got kind of railroaded based upon, you know, I mean, it, and, and do, do I blame them? Not at all. I mean, I would have I would have toe punted me into the middle of fucking next week if this had been a similar situation. Um, you know, and then also the fact that, uh, you know, we've never, or me personally, have never really acquiesced. Um, you know, I mean, I've always still had a, you know, very good relationship with Rob Wolf, uh, you know, and various other people that, you know, were, you know, not deemed or as, what is it, as the uh, pursued not non gratis or whatever with, uh, um, with CrossFit. So I think just those relationships and, you know, for me, friendship has always been an important deal. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to necessarily stab my friends or burn people down just for, you know, whatever it is. But um, for many years, I was able to navigate the situation. And I think we were able to navigate the situation because the information that we were putting out was first class.
And uh, much like many of the other people in this space, um, they refused to evolve. Whereas I think power athlete and CrossFit football and SSA was in this constant state of evolution. We were constantly learning. New information would come to the table. I would chase new things, test new things, try new things. Because in a way, um, you know, like, you know, I hate to use the analogy, but a shark that doesn't swim fucking dies. Yeah. You know, I heard that analogy the other day and it's like that piece. I mean, like we had to continue to keep (laughs) moving and pushing and pushing and pushing and and progressing this thing. And like the programming constantly had to change. It just didn't fucking repeat because I wanted to test new things and I wanted to, to try to bring new things to the table and I wanted to expose people to new and to more and more things. And then all of a sudden, you know, when CrossFit football was so one dimensional, we wanted to do more and offered more programs. Um, you know, we went online and put out Power Athlete and, and uh, was able to do more and more and more and push. And um, I think over the last eight, nine years, the evolution in terms of uh, who I am and what we do and how Power Athlete kind of goes and just all these pieces would never have happened if these original conversations didn't take place. Mm-hmm. With, with that being said, did you accomplish what you set out to? Yeah, because it, throughout those, like we we would have situations where I would just, you know, fucking 10th man, right? World War Z. Be like, hey, why don't we just burn the ships? And you're like, no, man, I want to see it through. You know, maybe not those terms, but I mean, here we are. So tech, like going back to Texas question, it seems like throughout, since I've been here 2011, there's been a mission and objective so to speak and i'm not saying that we're done but do you think that crossfit football did what it was supposed to yeah um andy stuff made a good point to me he said ride the wave as long as you can he goes ride it he goes right ride it into the shore he goes because when it's gonna you know once it crashes and and it ends then you know you can't go back and re-ride that wave and uh you know and i because i remember like thinking like man I, i don't know if we can go any farther doing what we're doing and, um, uh, you know, like I, uh, you know, and I wrestled with that for a long, long time, but I got to the idea and really the only, you know, one of the bigger reasons why we continue to do them and do this was, uh, I've met some of the best people through, you know, have walked through the door to come to my seminar. And, uh, I was uh, not willing to like pull myself out and miss the opportunity to meet some amazing people. Right. Um, to like cut your nose off to spite your face. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and the, the other thing, and you guys know this, like um, uh, I will forever see the bigger picture and everything. And even though my own personal ego or uh, you know, whatever I look at and say, Hey, you know, this is self-serving to me will never, that, that will never be bigger than the bigger or the, the bigger picture, the mission, the overarching goal, you know, the overarching, goal of uh you know world domination so like you know for me to be like oh you know they fucking slighted me or whatever and be like you know what fuck that um you know what that's personal for i me. have a hypothetical though i have a i have a question though sure because we all know we all know that the first breakup never sticks okay so what if they come back to you and they're like john john we were so wrong baby please no uh, I am, I am 100% the type, like I, I don't go back. I don't look, uh, I'm, I'm constantly looking forward. Um, I remember, uh, years ago and you'll appreciate this Kelly years ago, <laughs> I, I, I dated a girl when I was a freshman in college and we broke up and I remember, uh, I came back after the summer, uh, and I saw her and dude, she did, she like went into the, uh, the post breakup makeover. Like she was fucking looking like a rock star like i saw her she like fucking uh you know she had kind so of her life hair. got like exponentially better after you guys broke up uh dude she <laughs> she uh you know went into the um i'm gonna make him fucking regret breaking up with me 
mode of work. Like, yeah. Training, Classic. makeup, clothes, everything. Like she fucking looked like a rock star. <laughs> and I remember like I saw her and she like saw me and she was like, oh, do you want to go get a coffee? And I was like, yeah. And I'm sitting there and I, would, I was like, man. And she was like, you know, we should start hanging out again and all that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I went home and I called my brother and my brother was like, hey, uh, do you remember those commercials when we were kids? I'm like, what commercial? He goes, you remember the one about Earl Shive? I'm like, yeah, like he'll paint any car for 1995, like that one, the joke we always make. He's like, yeah, you remember that? Like you take your car in and they paint it and all that. And he goes, yeah, he goes, but you know, what's the one thing about that car? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, still the same shitty car underneath. Might get a new paint job. You might take it to Earl Shy, but it's still the same shitty fucking car you always hated. <laughs> so don't be fooled by a nice paint job. And I was like, done. And that was the only time in my life I've ever potentially skated back and thought like to look in the past. But, um, you know, for me, the gaze has to always be forward. And, um, you know, like for me, uh, um, you know, am I ever ruling out the opportunity to say, hey, no, we could do something. But for us, I mean, I think we rode the course. We did it as long as we could. And at this point, like, is there anything more to be gained? Not really. I mean, we've already had the discussions, the narrative. And the problem is, is, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, we kept teaching the seminar and keep doing it just out of kind of respect uh, and not for CrossFit, but more for the community and for people that would come and just hoping that we could just save one more person in the burning building. Yeah, yeah. And that mentality and just going out there and trying to engage, convert and inform and, and, you know, pull people in and just show them that like, you know what, like understand the difference between, you know, like in, in your training goals, if you think you're doing, if you're training for this and you're doing this, it's not wrong. And just being able to provide people the tools and the knowledge and the education and the, you know, the direction and the light to be able to really just ramp up performance. Well, and it became like, it became part of my narrative on my intro when I would, you you get up there, you, you let people at, I guess, inform what their expectations are of the weekend and what they want to learn and where they hope to end up after this thing because selfishly I'd been there and where I ended up was fucking way different than where I thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? If, if I was just delivered the information I wanted because it truly shifted the trajectory, trajectory of my whole life, let alone at the time my coaching philosophy and mentality as an athlete and like all three things. And that was my goal. like, hey, I'm here to just shift your trajectory. And if you just fucking do what we say, take some notes, listen, empty your cup, you know, not probably not in that term, but that's what it eventually came to be is you can have a positive shift in the route you're going, right? An increase in slope. And, and it's just that that became the goal. And that was what was so fun about it is you would go in there and I'd say nine out of 10 seminars, you'd at least get one, two, maybe sure. three of those folks who just would come up afterwards, like jaw dropped. I mean, could and, you, and then you get a Curtis. What's it? Oh, <laughs> and who the it, fuck it, are you, big guy? Why you get to be here? Yeah, yeah. Who the fuck put you in charge? <laughs> My name's Curtis. I'm not even taking this fucking seminar. But then, oddly enough, his girl, Sonny, was one of those people who's... Well, she divorced him because well, he was yeah. a douche. And, she, and I think she... He she turned, real, well, she realized that he was a douche. And she started playing for the other team. He fucking was such a douche. Well, she was. he was so douchey that she just said, you know what? I'm going to start dating chicks. And uh, <laughs> good for her because you know what? Curtis would have made me want to shoot myself in the face. Yeah, seriously. So, Curtis, if you're listening to this, <laughs> or drive you to lesbianism. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I understand. Like, I can totally understand. Uh, that's where I'm always like, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, you know, but fuck, dude. No, I mean, it's um, the one thing too is we had the opportunity to travel the world and like engage people, meet them, um, you know, and and just really just you know 
suck the marrow out of it. And we did it for a number of years. And uh, I think you get to the point where it's just kind of uh, just part of what you do and it just kind of fits within the grand scheme. And, um, you know, even though uh, the power athlete went in a completely different direction, we still kept this kind of foot in. And, um, you know, and then it got to the point where, you know, that foot necessarily we weren't willing to fucking bend the knee anymore. What was the the content enriched? I mean, as soon as you fucking brought Keem being on and we, we had some real intellectual conversations and like tapping into more people through the Power Athlete and the podcast, one thing that you said at the seminar I went to and maintained a point of discussion is if we find a better way to do it, we will tell you to do it that way. And ultimately what ended up happening is there became more and more information that supported a methodology that was growing where respectively uh, the idea of work capacity became a smaller and smaller component of, right? But it had to be a linchpin and an anchor in the, the seminar we were giving because it was branded CrossFit, which is the the methodology of work capacity. So it's like, okay, so this is becoming less and less relevant within the methodology. We're unintentionally driving a a wedge between, and it started to really fucking become a challenge to... Observation. The sport of fitness has become more and more... um, The demands represent what John intended with the secret sauce of CrossFit football. So as we saw for the first time ever in 2016, the lunge appeared in the open and fucked people's worlds up. Mm-hmm. 2017, the lunge came back, and then the, for the first time in five, six years of the open, you saw the transverse plane. And then the illusion of work capacity and people's preparation for that, they got <laughs> found out. So we're seeing that sport of fitness really take the, the principles and the guidelines that uh, essentially, we've been preaching for years. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, anytime you get into a performance-based model, and you know, the CrossFit Games are not about fitness. They're searching for the fittest man on the planet by their definition, but it's really a performance deal. It's a baton death march. And uh, who can do the CrossFit workouts the fastest? We'll, we'll do and do the most amount of volume <laughs> mm-hmm. and handle the most adversity and the toughest stuff. I mean, so in a way, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a, a fucking marathon through fire. And when that is a very real goal, we we always talked about at the seminar, the idea of reverse engineering, like show me the end state and I'm going to show you how to get there based off of reverse engineering by designing a template and programming that helps to meet the demands of where we're going. Um, That's exactly what people are doing now. I mean, they're looking and saying, hey, you know, here's here's the opportunities. Here's what we're doing. Now I need to prepare for them because I know what's coming. And even though uh, CrossFit talks about unknown and unknowable, there's really only seven planes of motion. There's not that much variety in what you can do. You know, you're going to three planes of motion, seven primal movements. Sorry, seven primal movements, three planes of motion. So uh, being able to be strong and, and uh, you know, explosive and, you know, fast and do all, you know, basically all the components that we teach. So if anything, um, the CrossFit Games and, and isn't really a, re- a great representative of the strength conditioning program for CrossFit. You know I mean, it's kind of the, you know, the evolutionary kind of deal where it evolved. But I bet you if you were to sit there and talk to, you know, the creators of CrossFit, they'd probably say, you know, the games have done as much to hurt as much as it's done to help based off of the original mission. Mm-hmm. Whereas from day one, CrossFit football, power athlete, SSA, whatever you want to say, was all based upon performance. The only marker for whether or not the program was successful or whether or not you did well was if you were able to use it and translate it onto the field to be a better version yeah. of yourself. And that's what I won't even say attracted. That's when the freaking light bulb went off for me in search of a strength and conditioning program understanding. And then it's like, no, here's the goal. 
performance. This is the only test. I don't care what you can bench, run, yeah. do anything. It's success in the field. And then the, in connecting that and where you connected the training to the performance on the field was posture and position. Yep. And that just simple concept, it might have been even just a a one-liner, just something you threw out at the well, moment. It, it, it was the idea, and I think I—I I don't even think I talked about it at that seminar no, you it, were at. But it, it but was there. It was maybe just—I I can't you remember. Um, I just remember talking about your ability to maintain good technique. I think is what I used to use. Good technique under uh, dynamic eccentric concentric forces like you know, okay here's my good technique if a person is trying to like hit me and move me and I'll use a football reference the defensive lineman hits me his goal is to alter my trajectory and force me to not do what I know I need to be able to do so then my training had to be about being able to absorb and accept and load and challenge posture position and movement and do all these things and have this person this extraneous force drive into me and have me fight and be able to maintain what I know is right and maintain my technique. And so therefore it became an opportunity for me in the weight room, whether it use, uh, you know, barbells, you know, external load, you know, I mean, however we wanted to challenge it, the idea of challenging your technique or challenging good movement, I think is what we talked about. And we've eventually evolved that into the idea of posture and position, which was, you know, came from when that guy at the seminar asked me why we lift weights. Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't know if you I, I forgot which one of you guys was there, but uh, the guy raised his hand and said, hey, uh, why do we lift weights? And I remember thinking like, well, because we want to cervically load the spine, we want to overload the central nervous system. We're trying to develop rate coding, musculature, you know, and I went through all these different things. And the guy was like, mm. and then as I was driving, uh, I remember thinking like, why the fuck do we lift weights? And uh, that's where it came up. The idea of, um, you know, using external resistance to challenge posture and position. What was needed, and not too many people ever get this opportunity, um, is the, the, the opportunity to evolve your technology in real time based upon user feedback. I mean, it's kind of, you know, if you, if you look at, and I, I really look at our training, what we do as a technology, um, but to be able to get up and present and hear information and constantly be, you know, voicing this stuff and, to, and then to go back and think about it and write about it and then refine it and refine it and have this many opportunities. I mean, hundreds of seminars to refine. And then all of a sudden you get to it eight and a half years later and the narrative is so good and you've refined it so much and you, you know exactly who you are. And there's no doubt that if uh, you know somebody comes and says, hey, what are you guys training for? What are you doing? How does this all thing, every piece fits? Because we've had to answer them in real time. We've had to, you know, uh, you know, under fire when, you know, the old days where people were violently opposed to this idea and we had to fucking battle this shit. Like, uh, you know, in the early days, people lost their minds. What do you mean the idea of increased work capacity, broad time, mobile domains doesn't translate to on the field performance? And me being like, well, why would you think it would? Well, it's because, you know, if I can do your stuff better than you and you can do your stuff half as good as me, then I should be able to do everything twice as good as you. And I guess uh, speaking from experience, it is if you were uh, at the time and maybe currently are like mired into a lot of the literature from the echo chamber within the CrossFit universe, it is repeated in so many different ways so eloquently that it has to be true. Like back then, all the shit that would come out is just like, that's what I fucking believed back then. And then, you know, it wasn't until, like I said, going to the seminar and I've said uh, text, I think on our fucking three hour charade of episode nonsensical uh, (laughs) stories. uh, It's just, I felt like I was betrayed walking away from the fucking first seminar. Like I was, how the fuck could I be so like stupid and just not. And then, 
that's when I guess I started to just disagree with everything, just to be, you know, prove the point. That's, <laughs> that's the moment. Believe. Uh, I don't believe I do. that. I, I, I think Luke was a yes man up until that point, and then he thought, you know what, I'm going to be a conscientious objector. Yeah, because I, I was I fucking, know. I'm telling you, man, I felt slighted, and it's just, uh, well, even though it was... Well, I, but I mean, like, uh, this goes back to people having unrealistic training expectations. Like, if you're my brother, Ed, who just wants to go in and get sweaty and, like, doesn't want to be fucking coached, but you kind of wants to be coached, but not really wants to be coached. Just not by specific coaches, which is everyone <laughs> at the gym. Right, yeah, but, like, he just wants to go in and get sweaty and do something, and uh, that's it. Like, uh, that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. he feels better, and, like, when he goes to the doctor, he's got good blood work, and he's fucking excited. Like, if I asked him, like, hey, man, do you want to put five pounds in your squat? He'd be like... No, I don't really give a fuck. I just want to go in and get sweaty and do something. And I like, it's part of the routine. I just want to go in there and train and move. And it's just like circulating the water, like turning on like, uh, you know, the jets in the tub. Now, if you want to like, um, you know, I mean, evolve past like, you know, that and just, you know, go right to tub girl. Oh, God. Do you still have the jets on and during tub girl or no? Uh, I don't know, Kelly. What did your mom say? What did, uh, Kelly, did you, did you ever Google tub girl? No, I never did. And I never clicked on another link that ever I've ever sent you. I'm sorry. Yeah, that said, like, urgent, open immediately, we, work related. We were fucking hammered when we sent that. We were in yeah. Argentina. We had about 800 glasses of wine. And I was like, I don't even know how it came up. And I was like, man, we should. Uh, uh, we were like internet, with internet college things, like trying to one up each other. And that was the winner. Yeah. So we sent the winner <laughs> to Cali. Yeah. Hey, and then it was like, hey, you should send it to her. And I'm like, fuck it, I'll send it to her, which in hindsight, I shouldn't have sent that to her. That's totally inappropriate. But I like, uh, I think people, um, you know, aren't realistic in their training expectation. They think like I can have it all, right? I can be fucking jacked. I can be good looking. I can be fast. I can be, you know, all, you know, they, they just want to like. Do they think that or are they told that? Well, it, well have, yeah. has CrossFit ever, co- I mean, really, has anybody, T-Nation, CrossFit, I mean, fucking Chad Wesley Snipes, I mean, who who has ever come out and said that you, if you do this, you can have everything? I, Good at everything. I want to say that was the, the that was the early dialogue of the CrossFit Journal. Dude, there was a girl, um, I posted that thing about uh, one of my favorite deals about mediocrity, that like mediocrity is like a, a lollipop, one su- you know, one lick and you suck for life. And this girl's like, <laughs> this girl's like on there and goes, well, you know, I'm, uh, uh, I'm okay being really mediocre because I'm, you know, like I can do everything okay, but I'm really not good at anything. And she went through this whole thing. And I, I told her, uh, I was like, go Google mediocrity. It's not average. It means you suck. Mediocrity is just like, like being really mediocre isn't like just okay. It's fucking you suck. And uh, and then she was like, oh, I've never actually ever looked. At- yeah, it's not the same as saying I'm like a jack of all trades, master of none. It's not the same as that. Yeah, no, she <clears throat> she kind of got, uh, you know, but people have been lured into this idea that uh, mediocrity is uh, is OK and it's fucking not. Um, I'd rather be excellent at something and terrible at other things than being mediocre at a bunch of shit. And what I think- about not being excellent at anything? But shouldn't you strive <laughs> think about this like shouldn't you strive and and this was always confusing to me too with the idea of like virtuosity and you know especially with the crossfit there was this this idea and it's kind of funny that crossfit used the term virtuosity because it refers to uh, virtuoso which is kelly i don't know what's virtuoso it's like a it's it's a musical term in opera it's like a like a a performer essentially someone who's like 
well, it's a, like like a virtuoso is like a a, a phenom, a an great, excellent, great skill. Yeah, in a, music. A, yeah, great skill in music. Like somebody or who's another a, artistic pursuit. Great uh, skill, though. But like, uh, like <laughs> I, I remember being released in, like into like there was a uh, like a violin player, and they called him a virtuoso. And I remember um, you know hearing that, and then when the cross had come out, like virtuosity. And I remember being like, how are we putting this towards fitness? But that just, you know, the, the magic of CrossFit, the idea that you're chasing to be an expert. Now, uh, if, you're cha- if, if you're trying to become an expert in something, and I don't know too many people that are experts in everything. Mm. Right? Uh, I, I am. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, normally if you say, hey, you know what, um, this is my area of expertise. I'm going to become an expert and become a virtuoso, uh, you know, a virtu- virtuoso of this. You dedicate your life to one task. Mm-hmm. So that was super confusing for me because for me, um, you know, when I read Mushiashi's Book of Five Rings and the idea of Bushido and, uh, you know, when I was in college, the idea of dedicating your life to the, to the mastery and the execution and the perfection of one task, that that is like, that's the Bushido where you see, you know, everything and like the mastery of your task uh, was huge for me because then I took this idea of like well whatever I'm going to be successful at is what I'm going to dedicate my time to and I had this idea of you know taking this kind of Bushido idea towards football and uh, you know when I couldn't play football at the level which I wanted to play anymore I didn't play anymore and then it was time to go do something else and I was okay because I didn't feel like um, I left something out there Um, same with this seminar I mean we literally cracked the bone sucked the marrow boiled the bones down ground them up into into dust and and fucking made that into into a, a you know something else i mean we did as much as we Bone could cross. well we did as much as we could um so, uh, so as much as we could i still enjoy teaching and i'm gonna have a hell of a good time in the last two because i'm still making connections so whether it's like the the competency model even sitting back and listening to carl present some of the information and then making a connection to like the athleticism, competency. When we talk about what did you feel during that or, or you, did you see this happen? Uh, when you see this in an athlete, we're talking about like the stages of progress and sure. learning for an athlete. So even though I had said that a thousand times, uh, 85 to be exact, Luke, I'm going to finish at 87, uh, 89 if you include the two I attended. But um, the, I've heard it. I've said it. But now I'm just, I don't know, a light, a light bulb's going off. Well, I mean, it, it's one thing to sit up there in flow state and get up and present. It's another thing to sit back and listen to uh, somebody give a same, the same talk and how they put their spin. And I remember for you guys forever, me telling you, like, I don't want you to parrot me. Uh, I want you guys to go out. I want you to hear the information. And I want you to give it unique to yourselves. Um, and the first time I was sitting back there, and, you know, unfortunately, Ben used to just get up there and do, like, the autistic parrot. And uh, when I heard you guys get up and you had actually put your own spin on things, had like started to have your own conversations and your own ideas and expanded the information to where it was thought provoking to me, I felt like felt so proud and so happy. And I know that sounds fucking dorky, but like I remember sitting there and like, you know, actually with the irony is all three of you guys sitting here, like hearing you guys get up and give these talks and like hearing you draw from your own personal places, your own experiences, your own thoughts and like expanding the information in new ways. I dude, I I learned as much from that and uh, have never been uh, so proud of anybody than I was at seeing you guys do that. And I know that sounds fucking. I oh, appreciate it. No, because it's hard work and it's your fucking hard work and a, a trust that you handed over to us ultimately, right? And we probably fucked up, or I know I fucked up a couple times early on, but 
we wanted to be fucking good at it, you know? So it, Well, yeah, and, and here, here's the other thing. Like, I never, um, I will never fault somebody for making a mistake, I, I, hopefully. I mean, but the idea is that uh, if you make the mistake and you don't learn from something and continue and, and correct it, if you keep making the same mistake over and over again, that's when I fucking lose it. Like, I, I don't mind somebody making a mistake, but like, as long as you can like admit your mistake, understand your mistake, and then we can move past it and we change it, then to me, that's growth. If you keep making the same mistakes over and over again, then, then, you, then you're not, you don't have the capacity of learning and self-reflection that I need uh, to be able to, you know, for me to even be involved and um like for me like uh you know playing in the nfl young guys would come in and i'd watch them make mistakes and i'd go over and tell them be like dude you take that wrong fucking step or you duck your head or you do this you fuck this up every time at which point are you going to take command of your life and say i'm not going to make this mistake and i'd fuck with them and be like do not go gentle into that good night and they'd be like what I'd be like, you know, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Like, and I would fuck with them and they'd be like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, dude, you don't know, you know, uh, that poem. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, Dylan Thomas, like one of my favorite poems. And I was like, dude, like, like, you know, fucking rage, like be the person that you, that you know you can by not accepting mediocrity. And for a lot of young guys, they couldn't fucking fathom that and they get cut. To the point where I remember, or like towards the end of my career, this guy, the young guy talking to me, and he like said his name, and I was like, he's like, you didn't even hear my name. And I'm like, no, I w won't even remember it. And, yeah. and he was like, why? And I'm like, not until you make the team. If you make the team, I'll take you out to dinner, we'll become friends. He goes, why is that? I'm like, because, dude, uh, with the mistakes you're making, you're not going to fucking be here. Is, is part of that ego? So, like, they, they had been the man, they had been the big fish in the small pond, then they get to the ocean. And uh, now they have somebody telling them, even though you're, you're trying to provide guidance because you want to win, these are your teammates, they're still not listening. Well, the, um, you guys have heard me say this for years, man. I had a lot of pride in who I was because of the name on my back. But my ego has never been so big that I cannot continue to learn. And I think a lot of guys' ego gets to the point, and e ego's kind of like a... Uh, like spray foam almost, like in this building, right? You just fucking, right? It just sprays and fills every nook and cranny and like all of a sudden just fills the space and it just takes all the air out of everything. And it's like, man, you, you can't like, like you, you have to have like a, a, a pride in, in, in who you are, your attention to detail and all this, you know, and just basically like everything you present. Like I think about um, like, uh, you know, let me think of a good analogy, but like I remember when, um, when I came out of the combine for the NFL, they had like each team had this like big thick jacket, like this big like uh, uh, you know file of like all the notes and this and like all this information. And I remember seeing this fucking like like two inch thick like uh, basically this this report on me. And I remember thinking like that's the body of work, like that's that's my body of work, like all of that like is is all the shit I've been doing playing football. That's all my injuries show notes, uh, you know, game notes, um, you know, evaluation, strength coach, you know, everything. Like, that's who, like, this is me. This is my career, like, in, um, in two inches, right? That's my body of work. Now, those guys have to be able to open that up, read it, and feel comfortable that the body of work represents where they're going to draft you. And so um, I always thought, like, you know, what's the body of work? Like, what are you going to present? Like, what's in your file when you hand it over? Are you proud of what's in that file? And, uh, you know, for me with it be, you know, playing football and um, even though 
you know, there were certain things within my career I wasn't fucking proud of that, um, you know, that I fucking will venomously fucking fight till the day I die because I got fucking railroaded. Um, but at the one time, man, I've, uh, I've always said, dude, uh, you know, I've never claimed to be the nicest person. And when I would play football, I was a fucking asshole. Um, I, you know, was willing to fucking hurt people at a drops hat and I'd fight, you know, like without a doubt, um, you know, and I wanted people to not want to play against me. But the one, the reason was, is I wanted people to respect who I was and respect the job that I did. And any disrespect was fucking meant with violence. And, um, I think the same thing with power athlete, CrossFit football, SSA, whatever you want. I want people to look back and have respect for not only what I was able to accomplish, what I did. But uh, to know that fucking we didn't take shit. I mean, I was sitting there in that Dave Tate thing for the under the bar. You know, we went to that seminar and uh, what's his name? Um, fucking Arizona Cardinals strength Morris. coach. Buddy Morris gets up there and shits on CrossFit football. Uh, doesn't know anything about it and then gets up and talks about um, basically just doing CrossFit, you know? And I, and I wanted to like get up there and, you know, I got enough respect for him to the job, but I wanted to go over there and be like, hey, go fuck yourself. Uh, I've made a living out of never letting people disrespect me and you fucking disrespect me and now we're going to have to fight. And um, I would have fucking whooped his old ass. But it's representative of the brand fatigue it causes by appending the CrossFit brand to a name of a product within certain markets. Sure, but, but, you know you, I mean? but, but you guys also know that we do not disparage anything we don't know about. Like, I have always told you guys, if you want to talk bad about something or you want to fucking know the ins and outs, fucking soak it in. Know every piece of this so when somebody says, hey, what do you think about this? You know exactly what it is. And if you don't know about it, be like, hey, you know what? Um, I don't really know what they do. I haven't looked into it enough. I can't give you a valued opinion. And me just shooting something off the cuff because of a name just goes to show how uneducated and stupid I am. Right. No, I'm with you. Don't worry. So, uh, you know, just merely shitting on it because... Uh, you know, it's got the name CrossFit, it's got football. How fucking dare they? Like the dipshits on T Nation, um, to me, is, uh, is stupid. And, but here was the thing. We were able to touch more people in terms of strength conditioning, programming, methodology, all the, all the other stuff than, the, than uh, Buddy Morris could ever do in a fucking million lifetimes. We did more in the time in which we do, which I taught this seminar in terms of getting people into training, programming, understanding, and meeting them than T Nation will ever teabag anybody. Uh, you know, and even though they have more fucking hits, they have more of this, we've done more to train and work and educate people than any other, other than fucking anybody out there. I mean, you know, besides CrossFit. And that's like a reverberation of performance. And that's uh, one thing I've been talking about at the seminars and the opportunity to impact. If you have a team, you're limited to impacting and empowering that team. But we've had the opportunity to influence, teach freaking uh, hundreds of coaches. Luke threw out the stats earlier. And then they're going to work with hundreds of athletes yeah. throughout their career. Well, well but it, it always came back to the idea when, when I remember my mom was like, so wait a minute. So you're going to, she's like, why don't you coach more athletes? And I was like, well, mom, if I touch an athlete, right, and I work with an athlete here, um, how many people am I going to be, you know, like I, I work with them, right? But if I can go work with the coach and they can work with all these other people. So in terms of more touch points, I can just make it work. So where does that bring us now? Are we are we done with the in-person seminar? Is that it? No more traveling seminars? No. Never say never. I feel like the the disassociation from CrossFit has like is going to allow you to s stretch your legs a little bit in some way. I mean, first of all, I think it's probably going to be like nice on you not to have to travel as much. That's one thing that you 
probably haven't mentioned, I mean, I popped on a little bit late, but what a bear that is to like really actually go through the process of traveling so frequently, but also, I mean, I mean, just the, the, you know, all the repercussions of that, um, and the time that it takes away, but, but again, just, just the association with CrossFit too. Well, yeah. I mean, I will forever be grateful to the relationship that I had with CrossFit for the mere fact that I was able to meet some of the best people uh, that I've ever, you know, run into. And so being able to, uh, you know, meet new people and be able to, like, access knowledge and people in real time has been phenomenal. Um, the problem is, is that you uh, take a world of shit with it. And there's, yeah, you know, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad. But the problem becomes, um, you know, cr what CrossFit hasn't done a great job of is, is in terms of like acquiescing and helping and, you know, being able to do, you know, it's so, just. So there was a uh, there was a time frame, a, a block of time, uh, probably. Yeah. 2012 to 2014 that I, I I had to own the name Tex. If I was going to a CrossFit gym, it would be Tex. If I was going into an NSCA event or a CSCCA event, it was Christopher McQuilkin. So I had to almost have two personas, two aliases, because they hated each other. Mm -hmm. And that was but, affecting uh, my professional development. But, I mean, what's what? so interesting is that, like, um, and part of this is CrossFit's attitude of, like, you know, basically, fuck everybody. We know everything. And anybody else, and, you know, and this is, this comes from the top of Glassman, you know, when he tried to tell me that, you know, there's never been a single contribution by a sports scientist in the history of the world. But. And I remember being like, well, what about VO2 max testing? What about this? What about this? And, um, you know, didn't necessarily go. But the fact, I mean, there is a fact that ultimately um, – we are we are team players right and we were on we were on the team crossfit and you know it uh, well i never had any significant issue with any of the folks there you know the the fact remains that there are team rules right so Callie, yeah in one form or another there's shit that we did, couldn't do as an organization because it it would seem potentially well it may be acceptable with our org. Uh, it would be too far against yeah. the team, right? And it reflects poorly upon the team, yeah. Yeah, and like, uh, I don't know, like, look at the shit, like, for a fucking, I guess, topical analogy, um, like the kneeling shit in the NFL. Like, some teams said no fucking way, right? And people who wanted to do it didn't because it's the team, it was the team rule. Other teams said, yeah, do whatever, you know, we're a little more liberal with it, and it, right, wrong, or indifferent, the point, the fact of the matter is a team decision. So, you know, there are clients we didn't work with because, guess what? Uh, it would affect our relationship and performance with CrossFit, and uh, we just we just respected it, because that's, that's what you fucking do. But now mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it's not going to be that is significant anymore, that, that does open up, open up new avenues for us. And I guess, spoiler alert, there is a new era of the shit that we are going to be putting on, and there's going to be a lot of information. I mean, a great example would be uh, people have asked us for a sprint clinic. Okay, think of anyone, Tex, in our fucking network of people that we could not work with previously that now we have access to that could put on one hell of a spring clinic. 
League of Shadows. Yeah, Roth Ruiz. <laughs> so, you, like, there's there's one that maybe our listeners and any diehard listener who's been on since the pathetic episode one, uh, can, like, we Roth has been on multiple times. He's been on the long road with John. You know, the fucking two and a half hour video chat and like a significant contributor. He almost killed me. Yeah, and uh, you know, tried to kill Tex. So, um, <laughs> and instead of killing Tex, I accidentally killed his roommate, whose bed I slept in when I went <laughs> to visit. It was an eighty year old woman. <laughs> no, she was fifty. She had cirrhosis. Of the liver, but <laughs> needless to say, I got to pay three hundred dollars rent for two months. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and got straight A's. But so, uh, yeah, and uh, like, I don't think that's. I don't know if anyone's listening to this. Like, is that the right thing? Is that the wrong thing? Is it a good? Is it a bad? At for the past five years that I've been around, six years, I guess, coming up. Uh, actually, my six-year anniversary was twenty. Three days ago, October second rolled in and worked at IPF powerlifting with me. Anyways, uh, that's just how it was and how it had to be and how it should have been, to be honest with you, because we were fucking on the same team. I don't know, right? Yeah, but I was uh, I was always thinking, I guess, performance. Going back to my uh, first experience with John, it was the peak, the performance. We're going to do whatever is going to win us games, whether we're freaking uh, football, lacrosse, sport of fitness. If this is going to help us get there, that's that's it. It's not holding our athletes back to save face or attacking a program, whichever side of the, the fence you were on, to save face. If that's going to help our athletes, that's what we're going to do. So I, I don't know. I just It was an interesting situation to live in, and but now it's like, hey, we are just power athlete. Yeah, there's the politics of it, I guess. Hey, go listen to the premier podcast on strength and conditioning. Yeah. So what else do we got, Tex? So we got a gnat problem here, Callie. I don't know if you can see us all fucking swatting at gnats. I'm sure you can't see the gnats. I thought you had a tick. No, it's not a tick. It's a gnat. Oh, but, uh, but there's some ticks out here. Hey, oh, I don't know what that <laughs> means either. So, Tex, here's the real question. So you had this two-year period of Tex and Chris McQuilkin. How did you introduce yourself to girls? Depends. A symbol. He just held up a symbol. <laughs> if they were wearing like ASICs or if they were wearing nanos. Like if they were nanos, you say Tex. Oh, if they yeah. were ASICs, you'd be like, I'm Christopher McQuilkin's drink. Depends how man. well Depends. they blend into a crab. <laughs> it, it actually all <laughs> did depends. This is kind of funny, but if if I was in Texas, nah. If I was in... Shocker. Of course. Outside yeah. of it, then I would, I would play the twang. I would play the accent. I'd... I'd freaking drop my country music talk that Luke Luke laughs at, but um, you uh, would or you still do <laughs> both. And then uh, there was a hot time in which the CrossFit football shirt was a buzz, and people would be like, "Oh, CrossFit!" It was like 2013, 14. Yeah. It was people were into it; they were excited about it. Oh, what do you do? Oh, you travel. So it was uh, the T-shirt was a hot commodity. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But I don't fit it anymore because it's Jack Street. Oh, yeah? So I can't walk around wearing it. It just doesn't look the same. Yeah, yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> so wh- why? Because you stretched it out? It was a, what, medium? No, I was a, I was a, I was a tight large. And now I'm just a good-looking XL. <laughs> Tex, who are you, you going to be in Seattle this weekend? Which? Oh, speaking of all the travel, I'll see you tomorrow, Callie. Um, okay. Who am I going to be? Well, I'm wearing a Cowboys uh, a cowboy hat because the Astros are in the World Series, and I'm going to Texans Seahawks. All right. So if you are in Seattle, because this comes out Friday, and you see some <laughs> asshole wandering in the streets in a cowboy hat. Don't kick his ass. Come hang out with Callie and I. <laughs> Tex, do you get to go on a ride-along on this visit? <laughs> Callie, do I get to go on a li- ride-along in this visit? 
I took days off. I'm not even working. <laughs> well, let's go. And so, Callie, do you and Super Tex bad. get to go on a ride along? Yeah, we'll just take a patrol car out and plain clothes. Tear it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the <laughs> champagne of beers. So, Tex, what other what other things do we want to cover on this one? Uh, well, Callie's a great interviewer. What other questions um, do you have? Travel question. Yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, like I jumped on a little bit late, but I'm not sure how much you talked about. You know, I think I think it's important for anybody who didn't get to experience one of the CrossFit football seminars to like understand that the unique experience that you get there is not it's not just the content. Of course, the content's mind blowing, but text talks a lot about connection and a lot of that just comes from authenticity. And I think that that's that's something that John wanted to trickle down into each of the staff is he touched on it earlier is that authenticity. So you have the material and the content. And once you start to understand the content on a level which you can sort of relay in your own way, provide your own stories, whatever. Um, Just, I think that that's something that is really like, people don't even know that they're missing it when they go to do a level one, level two type thing for CrossFit because everything is cookie cutter and they don't, and that's, and that's essentially what type of athlete they end up um, putting out. Like it's like a factory, right? So they go there and because that's the mindset from the coaches there, and that is the, the delivery method, they end up producing these people who then profess the same thing. And it's just not who we are as people, number one, and not who we are as a company. Number two, I can remember going, I can't remember the, the, where we went, but they hosted a lot of level ones and we went there as a center of excellence, uh, it's kind of like a directive at that point. And they, like, I think it was three of us maybe. And they go, okay, you can put your bags over here. And this is where you guys can do all your work. And, you know, and this, and like, we will set you up. And, and I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, when you, like, when you aren't speaking, like, you guys can go over there and rest. And we're like, we don't fucking do that. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. She's like, oh, well, the level one team, like, only one person's on the floor at a time. And the flow master will intermittently check in. I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, are you attending this weekend? Because strap yourself fucking in. You see these three? <laughs> we're going to, we're literally going to fucking blow your pants off. I don't know. But no, like I was just like, I'm like, you take a time out. What the fuck? That does not happen. In fact, like when we used to, when our interns would come out and they'd like sit on the periphery, it's like, get your fucking ass in the game and do something, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I guess, yeah, that is probably not the best usage of like energy, but we, it was fucking hard work. And then, yeah, you're it's down. who we are. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That was the environment we wanted to create because that's the type of coach we wanted to see come out of that seminar. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, you know, that was another part of it too, is like, Hey, listen, if you, if we could talk about all the things we are demonstrating and that could be a lecture, you're looking at a fucking two month seminar, like all the shit, the reasons why we have, you know, like Carl's talking about vocal inflection, you know, that would just be a single talking point, but there's so much behind it. And uh, just, you know, th- there was a one fucking uh, review out of maybe KOP that we weren't rock stars because we didn't fucking do a lecture and list out every cue we use on a back squat, every cue that. we use on a fucking bench press. Remember we got that? Mm-hmm. And then we went to fucking... Uh, we went to Freddy's gym. And we, we just and we did the... Sublimity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we were like, you know what? We're here to rock star everything. And we just kept yeah. rocking yeah. rock star. And then all the reviews we got were like, those guys were rock stars. Yeah, just the classic... <laughs> just, 
it, it was like a, it was like seeing like a rock show in real life. Like, yeah. and and I can only imagine like like the the fucking Martians are sitting there being like, ah, oh, these fucking guys aren't rock stars. And I'm like, it was like they are fucking where rock they just splice in like the oh, D every can, few seconds. It'd be like, Callie, look at this guy's arm swing. How do you? How would you describe this guy? Rock star. He, I mean, he's a rock star. Yeah. Uh, but like. He, like this is what's so interesting too and, and I remember people were like why do you do this and I'm like because man like you, you just can't preach to the converted if we show up to the NSCA and we start talking about all this stuff everybody's gonna be like harumph 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 <laughs> uh, I want to go out and I want to fucking convert the people that don't want to be converted that think they have the message I want to go out to like the darkest regions of Africa and try to bring you know uh, uh, my, mono, there. my monolithic <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, my, you know my I'm monolithic listening. structure of religion to them uh, no I want to go out and I want to I want to talk to people that don't believe that there's any benefit of strength conditioning and that periodization sucks and that you, know, you tried it. It was Newport beach. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem that we ran into at Newport beach was, uh, that was like a ship with a broken rudder where, uh, one, we didn't know where we were Two, We had no direction and we were fine just to go in circles as long as somebody didn't burn the fucking place down. And you hated it. <laughs> well, every minute of it. Uh, when I originally started the gym, um, I loved it because it was a place for us to train or whatever. And then I got to the point where I just joined fucking metrics. So I didn't have to fucking go there anymore. And uh, then I realized that uh, that not, you know, coming in and dealing with everything from like around a toilet paper to uh, my feet stink, which was my by far one of my favorite questions. Like, I've been training here. My feet smell awful. And I'd be like, sounds like a hygiene issue. No, it's directly related to the gym. I'm like, sweaty socks. <laughs> no, I think something here in the gym is making my feet stink. And John, like, I told you that in confidence. I, I, I just remember being like, like, like Kelly, where'd you, get your, where'd you get your shoes? She's like, I found them in the garbage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> First of all, you got your shoes in the garbage. I will liar. not. Uh, listen, I got my that shoes. That was a in, confession. You know, in lots of places. The garbage was one of them, uh, by the way. Just, but uh, there's the street, the gutter, the garbage, yeah, the it, roof. But the garbage was like actually the name of like one of a, the hottest boutique stores in Newport Beach. Yeah, the <laughs> well, the best was when I was driving down 17th and the, the sign thrower was wearing a Balboa shirt. And then like a month later, I saw, uh, you know, I actually was trying to cover up the walrus with one. <laughs> you, you saw you saw a T-shirt. I saw my future. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, I just wish I could be a sign thrower. Uh, it, uh, long story short, I think the opportunity was a p tremendous one because it um, it it basically uh, allowed us to see things in real time. And um, I'll forever be grateful for that. What I'm always be disappointed with was uh, that we couldn't have brought everybody on the ride. Like that's something I think about, like all the people that we'd interacted with and met and, you know, worked with and whatever that have just literally just fucking disappeared. Yeah. And cause we weren't equipped, like think about like guys like T Rose and, yeah. uh, yeah, you we, know, we had no way to like, I mean, even like Nick Miller and some of these guys who were like the, right. We, we, we became equipped basically when Cooch came on board. Cause Kelly, that was like the, la I think one of the last ones we worked together was when Ben Kacharik was there in yeah. uh, Seattle, I guess. Right. Or was that Colorado? Yeah. I'm not sure exactly where it was, but I remember, but it's like, uh, you know, that's that year was when we we're like, okay, we know we're, we're having the symposium. Oh, yeah. Hey, Oh, Shameless Plug Symposium, December 8th through 10th, 2017, Austin, <laughs> Texas. Uh, but uh, we were having a symposium when we were starting to bring these people just out. If they wanted to come out, come on out. And then from there spun the academy. And then from there spun the methodology course. And like here we are now where we have a platform, we have a team to join, we have a banner to fly, we have 
we have this stuff, right? And that's what's, I think, even more exciting about the future events that we're going to create here is like, we're, gonna, we're still going to meet these people, John, and we'll have the opportunity to be like, oh, join the army. There's thousands of us. You want in? Here's a website. Click this. Here's what we're going to do. We have our monthly uh, collectives. This is how you stay in touch. Uh, you want to get in on this? Bing, bang, boom. Here's continuing education. And it's just going to unfold. Oh, you want to you work seminars? Oh, by the way, we, we have thousands of them now, not just hundreds. You know what I mean? Yep. And I think that that is, um, that is what the real silver lining is of this. Because I'm with you. Like, it's, it sucks, but... No, it, uh, like, I don't think you can ever look back and say, you know what, like, I'm disappointed that didn't go. I mean, I, I think everything's a learning experience and, um, you know, and whether or not it's, it's negative or positive, you have to take something out of it. And, you know, like, uh, I love Harry to death. Uh, the hair bear is fucking awesome. He hit me up and was like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that, uh, you know, I caused this friction based off an Instagram post. I, you know, uh, I didn't think it would cause this. Do you want me to reach out to anybody? And I was like, no, not at all. I was like, dude, what's done is done. And, um, you know, as CEO and uh, of the corporation, anything that's done uh, under the guise of power athlete is is effectively on me. And I would never ask you to do that for the mere fact that uh, that's just not who I am. And, um, you know, whatever happens, whatever transpires, uh, I didn't have, I had many opportunities to fucking kiss the tip and I fucking wouldn't. And, um, you know, I asked, uh, you know, probably where it all came was when I asked some real hard questions of those guys that they didn't want to answer. Um, the idea that, you know, when somebody affiliates with the name, they are licensed to use the name as they see fit. So if somebody is teaching Zumba under the guise of CrossFit, and then, you know, they hit us up and say, hey, you know what, um, my program's not getting me stronger, I'm not putting out muscle, is it necessarily say that CrossFit's to blame, or is it the personal application of that? Right. And what we've done... That location's interpretation. Yes. And so my deal is... Uh, you know, why are you so upset about programming when you don't have any say over it? Like if you're doing a power athlete program and if you're following power athlete, you're following a very real set of, of principles and a performance training model that we've created with templates, with programs, whatever. You can't say, hey, I'm doing power athlete and then tell me you're doing Zumba because it doesn't work because you're not following a power athlete program. So I took steps to ensure that people wouldn't fuck it up by putting these parameters in place, by putting, you know, programming this, I didn't just leave it up to interpretation. And so I was kind of like, you know, why is this such a point of contention? Um, you know, Do you want to talk about what that post was? Yeah, uh, what, what happened was uh, over the years, we've got a number of emails about people asking to hybrid a program. And what they wanted to do is they always were trying to hybrid shit. And oh, after you've answered the question at nauseum for thousands of times, you eventually start developing humorous responses. And Luke labeled one where he said, you know, the, this guy said, hey, I'm doing this CrossFit programming at this gym and I'm not getting bigger and stronger and I want to put up muscle. So Luke made the analogy that... Uh, well, he wanted, to, he wanted to stack Jack, Jack Street, Street on, on top Is of that it. what it's built for? No. And Luke said, hey, your CrossFit program is like an eight ounce sirloin from Outback, which I've had and is delicious. But Jack Street is more like a 42 ounce Kobe Tomahawk from Prime 112, which always makes me smile because it's one of my favorite restaurants. And um, they, that was, there was a lot of offense to that, uh, you know, but, but that's what you run into, man. Like uh, the fucking Martians, when the Martians attack, they fucking attack all at once. And, um, you know, I, I'm not surprised, but I had the opportunity to acquiesce and to fucking do a showing. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. so. And it wasn't, I mean, I, I, I wrote, I wrote the response and it wasn't like, I'm pr probably honest to a fucking fault. It wasn't an attempt to be malicious towards 
CrossFit or even that affiliate. It was the fact of trying to like cr- well, no, inject a little fucking humor. And I, I'm telling people you, people have no seven, sense of humor. But four days of 20 minute CrossFit, uh, maximal, even max effort for CrossFit is different than seven days of fucking Jack Street. Want to know why? Because I've done it, and it's fucking different, and it's a significant amount, and you reap bigger rewards, quicker, accelerated adaptation. It's not a slow, gradual. Uh, intentionally gradual and continual small improvements that may may or may not be intentional, but if you were a smart business owner, you would want to have gradual improvements over two to three years to maintain a lifetime value of your client. It's just how it fucking works in that training dynamic. Our class, 20 person to one coach, you got about 20 minutes of exposure to training. It's fucking smaller. It's more petite. Just like an eight-ounce fucking sirloin from Outback Steakhouse versus a 32-ounce Kobe fucking tomahawk. It's true. It's true. It's not as meaty. No, and and there's no or big moist. bone to suck I on. mean, it's not nearly as moist. All right. <laughs> or have a big, you know, bone sticking out of it. You should not have to apologize for saying tomahawk versus eight-ounce eight sirloin because that anybody who knows our programming knows exactly that's what it is. There is a time for an eight-ounce sirloin for a person who wants that and only has, well, only has the money for it. What about What's that? What about vegetables? It's like a salad bar. I'm just going to go to the salad bar. bar. Yeah, imagine being called a salad bar. So yeah, now, be now, like, okay, uh, hey, whoa, okay. whoa, 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 salad whoa. bar with no croutons. Which training program is the salad bar? Because I will have that. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, like, I'm, I'm just amazed at, uh, and part of my thing was, you know, I'm uh, 40 years old. I'm a father of three. I'm married. Um, I have a company. Uh, I not only retired from my primary job, but this is my second career, which I've been doing for almost fucking 10 years, which is ironic. So you made your side gig your full-time yeah, so gig? Yeah, so I hustled so hard that my main hustle was now my side hustle. But then we hustled so hard that I think everything became a side hustle. Well, don't forget about your third, third hustle, wadesarmy.org. Oh, but that was my side hustle, but that's really my passion. So then you have passion, side hustle, main hustle. P hustle. That's a lot of hustle, Dude, bro. Dude, well, have you seen me taking pictures of myself just on the phone showing, uh, you know, how, how how hard I hustle? I would well, be willing to bet if I scrolled through your phone in the archive of pictures, there's probably two of you and a billion of, like, dead animals, guns, and knives. But of well, those two, well, Luke, as I've, as I've told you this, there's two types of Instagram accounts. There's ones that basically the camera is at you all the time, and uh-huh. there's one basically showing what you're seeing through the camera. So Callie's like the camera at you the whole time. I've chosen to, to show people <laughs> what I'm looking at. Uh-huh. Like I, and, and when I look at Instagram accounts, they, it's, it's, one of, it's one of two things. It's either the camera back on me showing me and everything, or it's me showing you what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. So I, I prefer, like, for, I want people to look at my Instagram and see what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, like kind of like, oh, that's cool. I want to show people what that is. But can't you uh, have both? But you, you have that. <laughs> yeah, you have that one photo of you on your your truck, your third hustle, just posing and <laughs> talking on your on your cell phone. So what's what's the third hustle? Called? Third hustle? Are those your kids? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. I have I have the main hustle. I got my side hustle. I got my uh, weekend DL hustle, and then I got my charity hustle. And but then, then you got your passion. <laughs> and then I got my family hustle. Then I got my uh, my wife hustle, my kid hustle. Uh-huh. 
I've seen you in a forklift as well. Uh, well, not 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 <laughs> only can I uh, no, here's here's the crazy thing. Not only can I drive a forklift, I can put up metal siding. I can fucking put up metal or wood. I, I can. You're uh, a contractor. That's right? your like so, eighth <laughs> All right, and and I fucking uh, have a, a build trucks that are outside monster trucks. So we side hustle and I weld and, mm -hmm. and fabricate. So as I mean, we lift like there's just a lot of hustles. <laughs> So the fact that there's one less hustle, does that offend? Like, are you upset about that or? <laughs> well, I, I think. Will you replace that hustle well, with yes. another hustle? <laughs> uh, we already have yeah. another hustle yeah. in the hopper. Hustling. Yeah. No, I mean, we're hustling on another hustle in the hopper <laughs> yeah. to yeah. replace the side hustle that we got broken up about. About. They got that hustle got yeah, taken away, yeah. but it's, but don't worry, we're gonna I get another, another hustle. I got another hustle I could let you guys in on. It, I'm, it's a food truck in Austin, okay, and it's called Eat the Week, W E E K, and it's a taco stand, and all you serve is tacos and coffee. Simple uh, menu. And is, beer. Is this the the same? There better be like six porta potties right next to it. No, <laughs> from there though, we find the taco lovers, and then we start to. Taco box is a born from Eat the Week. Okay, yeah. so a, a taco subscription. I love it. Um, yeah. but uh, but here's here's what we have to do to really show people how much we hustle. What we need is a photographer to follow us around <laughs> on the phone in different places. Well, I know a for, I know a person that's looking for a side hustle that they can take good photos. And oh, so yeah. so they just take photos of us on the side hustle. So their side hustle so is taking <laughs> is photo documenting our side hustle. That's what I'm talking about. It's uh, hustleception. But uh, but here's the thing: if you're on Instagram and you're not talking about hustling, did hustling really happen? I don't. No, because I don't think I've ever talked about hustling. Am I not hustling? Is that what I'm fucking learning right now? Oh, no, you're you, hustling. Let me tell you something, Luke. You have never hustled a day in your life. Yeah, but I got the <laughs> I got the hustle gene in there somewhere. Callie used to have some hustle. Yeah. She, oh. she used now to have a side her, hustle. She's just napping. Now she just has like her main hustle. And you know, well, no, she does have a side hustle. She does the pod. She, uh, yeah. I just <laughs> said the podcast. I, ju I just paid her invoice. So I know she's got a side this hustle. This is my <laughs> side hustle. Yeah. <laughs> the premiere. But podcast. then there's the side side hustle, which is Callie's brought back the CrossFit football seminar in Seattle. Only. No, I thought Callie was trying to bring back the side ponytail as her primary side, side hustle. <laughs> That's the My side, side pony. pony hustle. Yeah. Hey, so how how exactly is this detachment from CrossFit going to affect my my seminar? <laughs> Because oh, I yeah, am I'm booked through the summer. Yeah, the problem is it's only uh, <laughs> young boys that have uh, over the age of 18 that you bring in and you teach them how to do uh, bilateral Yeah, so I like hinges. how you qualified that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, men from the ages of 18 to 19 uh, <laughs> only, shirtless, uh, tall, kind of short. That usually have a name that ends in an IE or a Y. Like... Like uh, so, I, Callie, it shouldn't affect it that much. I'll be honest okay. with you. Okay. Now the problem, though, is it's going to affect Texas side hustle because he ain't going to be able to travel around and meet young ladies anymore. Wearing his cross and, and going to, to 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 baseball games. But here's the thing: if Tex knows what's right for him, he's going to seal the deal with this girl from the Mexican restaurant down the street, so he can get some side hustle marks. Ooh, I'm all about the side hustle on free food. <laughs> Yeah, text. because I'll, I'll side your hustle obligation. all day. It's your obligation. Okay, so how many side hustles do you think that we have? Uh, I'd say nine. I think I have nine side hustles. Uh -huh. Well, I don't think you're hustling enough because you got to start counting with your toes. That's how you mm. know you're really hustling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So step your game up, John. Yeah, I got to go. I need more skills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't got anything else. That was a pretty good hour and 25 minutes of very useful banter. Agreed or disagree? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, you know what? Are the podcast, is this a side hustle or is this a main hustle? Uh, primary hustle. 
This it's becoming, hustle? it's quickly becoming a, a primary hustle, I think. Well, the, the thing I'm laughing about, we were talking about side hustle, and I'm like, oh, God, I, what would you do this weekend? I don't know. I fucking rebuilt a truck. Is that a side hustle? Probably. And, and you're making office <laughs> furniture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it's actually done. We just have to bolt it together. I already got everything all welded up. You see it over there? But and, I, and, and I have three t- three sixteen sheets that uh, <laughs> w- that we have to set up down there and cut, and that's why I got I, I have a skill saw for that. So all those steps <laughs> that you said after it's done means it's not done yet. <laughs> I'm just going to fill you in. No, the problem is, is that to transport it, I figured we would bolt it together when we get down there. Do you want me to assemble it and then we can, how are we going to get it down there? I don't know. It sounds like a Tom Dye problem. (laughs) So it's, it's a part. All we have to do is bolt it together when we get it down there. It's basically (laughs) done. Best is when I send you guys, I'll be like, how does she do it with all of his side hustles? (laughs) <laughs> like have you guys actually looked at his instagram it's just him like on the phone and, and like yeah. and, and like i think the people that are commenting are fake because they're like oh shit i see you getting that money get that side hustle and i'll read the comments and i'll be like is anybody at else john welber <laughs> you you want to believe that those are fake you want to believe that those comments are fake that's the only way that you can like wrap Go through your mind life. around people being impressed by that but it's not fake i guarantee you that there are people who are like you know, I think if people actually saw the the amount of hustle, being like, "Oh shit, this guy, he's full of shit," being like, "That's actually this way less hustle uh, than I thought." <laughs> I uh, fabricated a table. We fucking put axles underneath the truck. Uh, what else so are we gonna do? Are you saying you're hustling so hard you can't post on Instagram? I think I, one day my goal, and this is purely, uh, if you could ask me anything in the world, the one goal I have is to be like uh, John Clayton from uh, Trainer Rock. What's his name? Um, uh, Andy. Andy. So the guy who's the main investor for uh, Train Heroic has no social media, has no cell phone. The only way you get a hold of him is you have to call his landline at his fucking compound. Yes. And his secretary will answer and then page him or contact him. But that's also Chris McDougal as well. La- yeah. Or at least last we spoke to him. He didn't have any of that. Remember, they had to like do yeah. a special fucking satellite uplink for us to be on a podcast with him. So, I mean, and, and then I asked uh, Andy about it and Andy's like, he goes, People used to, or like, I, I, I forgot we were wrapping him up, but he made a point. He was like, you know, like, uh, what, what were we? Oh, it was in um, Wall Street when he's like, I'm talking about liquid, rich enough to have your own jet. And I kind of like made a joke about that. And he was like, yeah, for those guys. But he's like, you know, you get past where like, eh, what do you even care? He's like, you got all that stuff. He's like, having true, uh, being able to fall off the grid and detach and not be interrupted. Yeah, by unplugged. Fucking, yeah, unplugged nonsense. And not just unplugged, not living plugged in. Like, he's like, social media, I know it's there. I'm not on any of it. Like, he, I mean, but he also ran, like, one of the largest hedge funds, and the dude's just, like, a fucking uber-rich angel investor. Um, he, you know, I mean, super fucking rich, and he's like, yeah, has private jets and has all that stuff, and he's like, honestly, I don't give a fuck about any of it. And I remember thinking, like, if I ever got to the point where I made the money where I would never have to ever have social media again and not even have to have a cell phone, be like, how you get a hold of John? Oh, we send smoke signals. Mm-hmm. And when he sees them, he might go over there and beat the war drum. No, it's like we start a diesel generator, and he's just the hum of a diesel motor really just... He's like, I still, when I hear it, I, I, whenever I hear a loud, loud diesel engine, I still think there's like a van outside my apartment. Callie, uh, when you come visit, you will laugh at the amount of shitty trucks that I have stored at this place <laughs> to the point where when you drive down uh, Hamilton Road, right, like you pull up to where our gate is, there's a 1946 International Rusty pickup, like behind a gate kind of propped up on rocks, and it's just like you pull up and there's like a gate and a controller and an old shitty pickup, and people are like, because I, I went up and saw Dave the Woodshop guy, and he's like, is that your house with the fucking old rusty truck? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that thing's awesome. 
he's like, uh, like, that's great. Your wife is probably stoked about all that too. She is. Uh, that's how I know my wife's a special person. Cause she doesn't <laughs> she's really like, give she's me. sincerely into it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, she, well, the, the, what happened was the girls were upset that cause we live far off the road. You can't see us that we would decorate the house, but nobody would ever get to see any of our decorations. So this was like upsetting them. They're like, we're going to decorate it. Nobody gets to see it. We're never going to get any trick-or-treaters. And I was like, well, what if I were to decorate like something at the front of the road that we could decorate it for every holiday and like people drive by and they could see it. And they were like, it's a great idea. What are you going to do? I'm like, I got something. So I drug, <laughs> I drug this old shitty truck out of uh, out of one of Tom's neighbors or Tom's buddy's place, paid him like 300 bucks and then drug it up there and we positioned it on the road and then built like a gate around it and a fence. And then, you know, I put skeletons in the cab for Halloween. Oh, cute. And then we'll put Santa and like we'll, de- we'll decorate it for every holiday. A little theme. That's yeah. cute. So that's, that's the idea behind it. Will but, it be Christmas ready for the... Power Athlete Symposium, December 8th. Oh, yeah. yeah, are you, are you going to decorate it for the symposium? Yeah, I'm going to put Christmas lights on it, and I'm going to put Santa in the driver's seat, and I want to put reindeer in the back. Aww. Are pulling it, or is he towing them? Oh, that's a good idea. I was thinking, you know what, maybe uh, maybe put reindeer in front, like he's and Santa in there. Pulling the sleigh. I could put sleigh in the bed. That's a good idea, but I want to. I found LED Christmas lights that you don't have to have a power source to. So I wanted to get those. But I thought it would be kind of fun. Like, and then, yeah. and, and then the neighbors up the street, did you see the one of the guy where bend, uh, with the, the thing with bent over with the pumpkins for the butt? Yep. yep. So, like, now all of a sudden people are decorating things. So it's going to turn Aww. into a Christmas story, or not a Christmas story, Christmas vacation competition? I think, well, I think it comes down to, well, <laughs> I want everybody to decorate, like to do Shitter's something. Shitter's full. <laughs> like, uh, that would be kind of cool. People are like, oh, on Hamilton Pool, you should drive up at these people decorate shit. Oh, yeah. So there, yeah, there was always streets growing up. Yep. You had to go to this street. So I get to what you're saying. I yeah, see so it. I, I kind of wanted to, like, take flyers and put it out to people and be like, hey, you should do something so we could, like, have a little bit of community on our street. Sounds like a side hustle. <laughs> It's 10, John. Uh, We've made dude. it. Dude, the amount of side hustles we have, like I was kind of thinking on it. I'm like, God, we got a lot of side hustles. <laughs> Should we wrap this show and Callie, yeah. you can chop it up? Yeah. All right, formal wrap up. Everybody ready? All right. And that will happen. See you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs> and if it wasn't for you meddling kids, <laughs> hey, have a good day. Ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the premier podcast in strength and... Conditioning. Conditioning. Ding. Ding. Uh, tune in next week. Bye. 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 Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Only two seminars remain, and if you want to get in on either of them, head to www.powerathletehq.com backslash events. Again, those are in Portland, Oregon on November 4th and Cookville, Tennessee on November 18th. And don't forget that the symposium is happening just around the corner, December 8th through 10th in Austin, Texas. You can find those tickets, again, at the same website, powerathlete.com backslash events. Until next time, bye!